Hi guys, welcome to episode 11 on our third season here. I don't know about you, but I have been learning so much and I'm really glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk about that one drink that we seriously all should consider ditching, why that's the case and what we could replace it with. So let's do this. I'm Michelle Visser, author of Sweet Maple and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Solely Rested, because sometimes the only rest you can find is in your soul. Welcome back to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, where we talk about how to simplify our lives in the midst of modern day life, one step at a time. Let's do this together. So first off today, I I think I'm going to step back and take a little inventory or kind of review what we've talked about so far this season because there's been so much. And just in case you've only picked and chosen a few episodes here and there, maybe this summary will help you know if there's anything you might have missed that maybe would be of interest to you. So we started off the first couple were really just introductory episodes leading into this topic. I gave you a lot of background from a personal experience. And then, oh, episode three was so fun. Ruth Ann Zimmerman came on and we talked about food and having it at the center of the family and gathering everyone around the table. And she gave us lots of great insight into the Pennsylvania Dutch traditions revolving around food. Then in episode four, we started really kind of digging in with this whole idea of the lies that were fed by the industrial food industry. Is that right to say industrial food industry? Seems a little repetitive. You know what I mean. In episode five, I recommended, because at that point, I was getting messages from people like, this is a little overwhelming. Like, where do we even begin? So in episode five, I recommended the one place that you could start that's such a simple way to start incorporating real food into your diet. And then episode six was about six swaps, six different ways that you could do really simple swaps that could make a huge difference in the nutrition that you're feeding your family. Episode seven, that was super fun. We had a guest on and we talked about the pet food industry and the lies that they feed us and what our alternatives are for feeding healthy food to our cats and dogs. We talked a lot more about dogs than cats though, because if y'all know me, you know I am absolutely first and foremost a dog lover. Okay, then episode eight. I feel like that's where we really started digging in because that's the first episode that one by one, we have started going through this list from the different scientific studies that I was referring to at the beginning of this whole series. 
And in episode eight, I actually, the first like, I don't know, five minutes, six minutes, I actually discussed a specific scientific study and I read to you from that study, helping you um, break down the different dietary factors that affect all of us that have been shown, proven, lead to cancer. So then with that episode, we dove in to that list and we've been talking ever since then about each of these things in the American diet that have been shown to cause cancer. And we've been talking about how to avoid the bad parts and how to replace them with alternatives. So episode eight was about meat. And I broke down for you the real reasons that I'm not buying my meat from the grocery store anymore. And we talked about alternatives with that. Episode nine was all about whole grains and really specific suggestions with snacks and breakfast ideas to incorporate true, good for us whole grains into our diet. Last episode, episode 10, was about the two things that most of us are eating half as much as we should have. That was really bad grammar, but I think you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, The two things that we should be eating double of. I'm just making it more confusing. We talked about fruits and veggies. (laughs) And now today, episode 11, we're diving into this really huge problem in the American diet. And maybe it was wrong of me to say that we're going to talk about just one drink that we really need to ditch because in reality, there's so many of them, but it all falls under the umbrella of sugary soda. And today we're going to talk about not only why we really need to get rid of this stuff, we really need to just not bring it into our houses anymore. It just, we shouldn't be buying it. And we're also going to talk about alternatives that really are good alternatives for our kids and for us to help us avoid the sugary soda. Okay, now that I've covered all that ground, I need to tell you what I know I've told you before, but I got to tell you again, because if I'm not being real, all of this is kind of pointless if you ask me. So I got to be real. Do I still drink soda? Occasionally. I do. Um, I'm slightly embarrassed, but not really because it's just reality slightly embarrassed to tell you that I really love Coke Zero. I used to drink a lot of it. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know how many 12 ounce, (laughs) what was that word? 12 ounce cans I would drink in a day. Don't even know. Um, I can very happily tell you that now it's probably more like two, maybe three times a year, I'll have something like 12 to 20 ounces at a time, 
So it's like very seldom. But I think I've explained this in previous episodes in this season, actually, that I know my personality. And I know if I just completely and utterly refuse to ever touch another bite or another sip of X, Y, or Z, eventually it's going to get to me. Like I might be okay even for years, but eventually it is just going to overwhelm me and I'm going to cave and I'm going to completely backtrack and go back to the old me. It's just something about my personality that I know. So instead of refusing to ever allow myself to have Coke Zero, every once in a great while, when I really, really would like some, I have a little bit. Am I proud of it? Not particularly, but that's reality. So I don't want you to think, oh, Michelle's talking about X, Y, and Z and all this stuff. And it's just overwhelming and it's not attainable. Don't ever think that. Everything that we've talked about this season is absolutely attainable. The secret is, well, twofold in my mind. Small steps, really small, simple ways that you can do a swap. You can just replace something or if you don't totally replace it, every once in a while, substitute something. And two, to realize that, you know what? Yes, there's this absolute ideal goal, quote unquote, that I think would be great. You know, if I could never eat another bite of processed food and I can never drink another ounce of artificial sweetener, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on. But honestly, it's not human. It's not truly attainable, whatever that ultimate lofty thought is in your mind of the perfect kitchen, the perfect diet, the perfect food that you would always be eating yourself and feeding your family. So don't kick yourself over what you're not doing right. Instead, really revel in the little things that you're adding all the time, the little things you're doing better every day. Focus on that and even consider like keeping track of it in some way, a little journal or little notes you write in your day planner or whatever it is, just some little simple way to look back a year or two years from now and go, wow, let me think about how things are different in our kitchen or around our dinner table. Things have really improved. So all of that was kind of a side note. <laughs> it's really bad sometimes, guys, that I just, I, I hit the start button, the record button. I have the mic in front of me and I just start chatting. And sometimes that's kind of bad because I look up and I go, wait, I'm 10 minutes into the episode and I haven't actually started. <laughs> um, so, so how much do we drink as average Americans of this sugary, horrible for us soda? <laughs> um, I just Googled it and I came up with a Reddit survey from a year ago. 
and scrolling through, it's pretty much the same answer that everyone's giving. Um, this person, the nihilist hippie says, I drink many sodas every day. I don't even keep count. I probably have about five or six a day. Um, counterfeit circus replied, I drink as much as I want. I don't restrict myself in any way. Um, Milo do says, usually I have about, oh, this one only says two cans a week. Okay. But of course, based on their name, I had a feeling this was the case. They say when I do drink it, it's Mountain Dew. Um, this person actually doesn't have their name. They say, usually I have about two a day, sometimes three if it's a long day at work. So it goes on and on. And that's pretty much the average answer that I'm seeing. So it doesn't sound like it's that bad, I guess. Um, until you really understand what's in the soda. Now I did find an actual Gallup poll result but unfortunately, it was way back in 2013. This was all that I could find in my quick search. Surely there's been something else. If you guys know more information about this, send me links or send me a message over on Instagram or fill me in on what you know. But this is what I found, that a Gallup poll found in 2013 that half of Americans drink one or more glasses of soda a day. 7% of Americans say they drink four or more sodas a day. Wow, that's a lot. And I'm actually wondering, because this is so old, what is that, nine years ago now, wondering, my assumption is it might be worse. Of course, it could be better. It's certainly possible. Um, okay, so why are we addicted to sugary sweet beverages. The author of Your Brain on Food, who happens to also be the director of neuroscience undergraduate program at Ohio State University, he writes, his name is um, Gary Wenk, W-E-N-K. He writes that it's all in the beverages design. Your favorite brand of soft drink is engineered. That's the word he uses engineered with just the right amount of sweetener, caffeine, and carbonation to make you continuously want to grab and gulp it. How much sugar is in a 12-ounce can of Coke? I looked it up. There are 10 teaspoons of sugar. And how much should we have on any given day? Well, according to the American Heart Association, Men can have more than women. Men should have no more than nine teaspoons a day. Women, we should have six teaspoons or less. So an average can of Coke has more than the daily allowance of sugar that we should be consuming. And that's just in one drink, one part of your day. So how is this amount of sweetener engineering this fascination and this obsession for us? Well, the fact is when we get this rush of sweetness, 
it actually activates the reward centers in our brain that are also the same parts of our brain that light up with excitement if we do drugs. It actually triggers all this sugar, the release of the brain chemical dopamine. And we feel this amazing euphoria. I am not kidding. There's actually a study. I will link it in the show notes, an actual study that shows it's proven sugar can be more rewarding and attractive to our brain, releasing more dopamine and creating more euphoria than cocaine. I'm going to say that again, because I find this unbelievable. Sugar can be more rewarding and more attractive to our brain than cocaine. Okay, so what happens then when that dopamine surge that makes us feel literally high on life, what happens when it fades? And we all know it fades quickly when it's a sugar high, right? You get that rush quickly and it goes away just as fast. When it's gone, your brain literally craves more. That's the way dopamine works, guys. So I'm going to read you an expert. Er, <laughs> excerpt is the word I'm trying to say. I'm going to read you an excerpt from this study that I will link in the show notes. Okay. Available evidence in humans shows that sugar and sweetness can induce reward and craving that are comparable in magnitude to those induced by addictive drugs. Although this evidence is limited by the inherent difficulty of comparing different types of rewards and psychological experiences in humans, it is nevertheless supported by recent experimental research on sugar and sweet reward in laboratory rats. Overall, this research has revealed that sugar and sweet reward can not only substitute to addictive drugs like cocaine, but can even be more rewarding and attractive. At the neurobiological level, the neural substrates of sugar and sweet reward appear to be more robust than those of cocaine. There it is, guys. I literally just read you word for word in black and white the reality. Okay, so at this point, I think I might have you on board. You might agree with me if you didn't already that we need alternatives. Our kids need alternatives to soda. The key really to finding the best alternative for you and for each member of your family, it might be different for different members of your family. I think the real key is basically finding something that each individual truly enjoys. So the first one I'm going to recommend is not actually a genuine alternative. In fact, I was going to say the last one I'm going to recommend, I feel is the closest we can get. But you know what? The second one is pretty darn close too. Okay. 
Never mind. I'm just going to I'm just going to dive into this list of three alternatives instead of telling you what it might or might not be. First of all, how about milk? I know it doesn't seem like Coke at all, but hear me out. First of all, milk is unsweetened. And we all know it's a great drink because we know it quenches our thirst. Do you know why though? It's actually over 95% water. So of course it's going to quench our thirst. But the great thing is, unlike water, milk is a nutrient powerhouse. It gives us protein. It gives us calcium. And not only does it have no added sugar, but it has no preservatives. Plus, this is the best part. This is why I decided to include this on my list of alternatives. Milk is creamy and delicious. And that is a combination that's really hard to find. Something that's creamy, that fills you up, that quenches your thirst, and that provides nutrients. Now, the second one I'm a huge fan of. If you have followed me over on Instagram for any length of time, you know I'm a huge fan of this. And if you join us in our next episode, I think it's going to be the next one, I think. Um, I'm going to be interviewing an absolute expert on this topic. I'm so excited to pick her brain and to learn even more about the health benefits of tea. If you are not a tea fanatic, and I realize most people are not tea fanatics like I am, that's okay. I would encourage you that there's a lot more to tea than you even realize. And there are so many options available to you of wonderful organic loose leaf teas that you can combine, pick and choose and use in so many wonderful ways. And believe it or not, you can make an almost exact substitute for at least one particular kind of soda that I can think of. Um, the Positively Tea Company makes a root beer tea. It's a rooibos base and rooibos is a fantastic tea. It's loaded with health benefits and it's naturally really sweet, which I have not found this level of sweetness in any other tea naturally. It's why I love using it in my kombucha because it overrides the often um, automatic tendency of kombucha to become vinegary. But if it's made with a rooibos base, the sweetness of the rooibos is always going to shine through in your flavor. So this root beer rooibos tea, if you make it um, and then you add some plain seltzer water to give you bubbles to your root beer tea. I would not tell you that it tastes exactly like root beer because it doesn't, but it's really close and it's really delicious. But of course you can add seltzer to any variety of tea for a really great bubbly option. And the great thing is there are so, so many 
varieties and flavors of organic loose leaf teas that you could spend, I was going to say a lifetime, at least six months or a year, (laughs) trying them all out, different ones every day, and finding something that is absolutely your favorite and a perfect substitute for soda. Um, I'm wondering, you know, it might be a great topic of just a future episode for me to really um, itemize my different favorite flavors, my different favorite um, types of tea, whether it be white teas or black teas or rooibos teas, and give you some actual recipes. Um, I'm going to jot down a note that that's a good idea for a future episode. At least in my mind it is. You guys can let me know if you find that interesting. But the third alternative that I think is the one that comes closest to soda because it is bubbly, it is sweet, and it is so good. It can even be, um, have a ginger flavor to it, which makes it almost like Sprite. There's so many ways that you can flavor it. Um, Kombucha. If you don't know what kombucha is, then... Well, you probably haven't been following me on Instagram. (laughs) I talk a lot about that too. I have some highlights over there as well if you want to go check them out. My Instagram is solely.rested, S-O-U-L-Y dot R-E-S-T-E-D. If you want to go find me over there and scroll through my highlights to the kombucha ones, there's a lot of great information there. And that's also definitely content for a future episode. For sure. There's so much I could tell you about kombucha. Um, I'm going to read you an excerpt from a book called Nourishing Traditions, the cookbook that challenges politically correct nutrition by Sally Fallon. And I think this will give you some insight into why I became obsessed with kombucha, in addition to the fact that it's just daggone delicious. And I think it'll help you understand how not only is kombucha a similar tasting alternative to sugary soda, but on the flip side, it is actually so good for you, unlike soda, of course. Here's what Sally Fallon wrote. Scientists and doctors today are mystified by the proliferation of new viruses The whole gamut of human viruses that seem to be associated with everything from chronic fatigue to cancer to arthritis, they're equally mystified by recent increases in the incidence of intestinal parasites and pathogenic yeasts, even among those whose sanitary practices are faultless. Could it be that in abandoning the ancient practice of lacto-fermentation, by the way, I'm going to stop here. I don't know if I explained. I don't think I did. (laughs) In case you don't know, kombucha is a fermented drink. And that simply means that you are leaving your tea along with your SCOBY, which is a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. You're leaving it open to the air, to the good bacteria in the air. 
There's a lot of reasons that we won't go into right now that the bad bacteria are destroyed. They cannot live in the environment of the kombucha. But the good bacteria thrive in the kombucha. And when you drink it, you're then putting the good bacteria into your gut. Okay, so back to what Sally wrote. I'll backtrack just a little before I cut myself off. (laughs) Could it be that in abandoning the ancient practice of lacto-fermentation and in our insistence on a diet in which everything has been pasteurized, we've compromised the health of our intestinal flora and we've made ourselves vulnerable to legions of pathogenic microorganisms? If so, the cure for these diseases will be found not in vaccinations, drugs, or antibiotics, but instead in a restored partnership with the many varieties of lactobacilli, our symbionts of the microscopic world. By the way, I had no idea what a symbiont was. I had a feeling, but I decided to look it up. And sure enough, a symbiont is an organism that's in a symbiotic relationship with us. So what this means is those good bacteria that we are capturing in our fermented drink are then living in our guts in a good symbiotic relationship with us. Our guts are giving them food and they in turn are destroying bad bacteria in our gut. It's a win-win. It's so good for our gut health. And we're finding out more and more every year how important gut health is to our overall health. So if there's any way that I could convince you how good kombucha is and how very easy it is to make, and how much money it will save you to make it instead of buying it, and how much better it will taste. I kid you not. I have never purchased a kombucha that I enjoyed. But when I make it myself, I can tweak it to exactly the way we like it, and we all love it so much more than anything I could buy. So If there's any way I could convince you of all of those things and help you replace the sugary, addictive crap in sodas, (laughs) um, I think the best way that I could do that might be to just offer you a free resource that I have that will give you all of my favorite recipes for making kombucha and tips and tricks and more information if you go to solelyrested.com slash teas solelyrested.com slash t-e-a-s you do have to scroll down quite a ways to get to the part where i'm talking about kombucha on this page that's all about teas and my favorites and why and tea recipes but if you scroll down and you just put your email in in the right spot you will have access to all of my free resources all about kombucha so please don't hesitate go over and do that today and while you're there 
at solelyrested.com slash teas. Make sure you glance at the amazing organic, all natural teas that I link to there. Most of them are from a company called Positively Tea, which actually is the sponsor of this episode. There's also a coupon code there that will save you 10% off your entire order. And if you're spending more than, I believe it's $35, I should have looked that up to be sure, um, the shipping is even free. So it's just crazy great prices for the absolute best organic teas I have found anywhere. If you buy them in bulk, you're basically getting four times as much tea for, for twice the price. So please check it out at solelyrested.com slash T-E-A-S. And I really hope that you find a particular tea or five <laughs> that you love as much as I do. But I jumped into what the alternatives are to soda. Before I finish telling you some of the insanity that I uncovered, the more that I dug into reading about soda. Diet soda, by the way, is awful. In fact, consuming just one can of diet soda a day has been linked to increased risk of stroke and dementia. Not anything I would have thought that would be related to diet soda, but it's true. I will link that in the show notes as well. Then there's this study that was done seven years ago, back in 2015. So this is not new information, guys. It was published in the Journal of American Geriatric Society. And this is the conclusion that they came to. I quote, 759 people were studied over 9.4 years. In a striking dose-response relationship, increasing diet soda intake was associated with escalating abdominal obesity, a potential pathway for cardiometabolic risk in this population. The study concluded that artificial sweetened drinks can increase one's appetite and the desire for sweets and actually has been shown to make you gain weight. This effect was linked to aspartame, the most frequent used sweetener in diet beverages, which generates a similar response in the body as sugar. Just 30 minutes after drinking a diet soda that contains aspartame or the same amount of regular soda with sucrose, the body reacts with similar concentrations of glucose and insulin. Okay, it gets worse. There was a study done by the Boston University School of Medicine, and it found that people who reported drinking just one can of an artificially sweetened soft drink every day were three times as likely to have a stroke because they were getting blood clots. And if you say, okay, I'm going to avoid the fake sugar, like, okay, these studies 
that, that all makes sense. I'll, I'll just have regular soda and I'll just have less of it. But there's still the caffeine. And there's still all that sugar, of course, that's causing that dopamine release. And of course, there's that carbonation that the one study mentioned was another tributing factor to making people addicted. Like, even if you avoid the diet stuff, there's so much wrong with soda. Um, and with the caffeine, if you have too much caffeine, of course, you know, you're going to have trouble sleeping and it's been shown to cause nervousness, not like we need more of that today, right? (laughs) And it causes irritability and caffeine has actually been linked to abnormal heart rhythm. So many reasons to just not drink too much of it. So I hope that this information hasn't overwhelmed you. And like I said, it's not news per se. These studies have been around for a while. These results have been around for a while. I just think it's so addicting, this sugary, literal drug, that it's easy for us to ignore all these facts that we've heard again and again, and we know, and, you know, okay, sure, I understand. I just, it's addictive and it's good. And I've already told you, I have my occasional soda. I know it's good stuff. (laughs) So like I said, I hope it wasn't overwhelming and I hope um, it's not discouraging. My goal is really to encourage, to remind you that, yeah, this stuff, we really don't need it. We don't need it in our house. Oh, and I didn't even get into the whole dental problem. That's a whole nother ball of wax. All the dental troubles and difficulties we have if we are routinely drinking soda. But I really want to end on a positive note. Guys, you showed up. You're here for this season. You obviously care about the lies that we're being fed every day by the industrial food folks. You obviously care about unveiling the truth that lies deep underneath all the marketing lies. You obviously care about your health, your family's health, your diet, the food that you're eating. I know you do. And in tiny steps, day by day, we got this. We can recover from this downward spiral that we all have been on for decades. And we can do it together. So take heart, we got this, we can encourage each other. And I mean, you know, it's easy to forget when we get caught up and the feeling of overwhelm. It's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. I've been saying it for many episodes now in this season, and I think it's become my new mantra. It's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So we need to enjoy the simple, everyday efforts, the little steps we take one at a time. It's not easy, but it's a good life.